Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Dorinda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, and nana to six. I'm also a homeschooling uh, mom who's been doing that for about 24 years. I'm really excited that you're here today. We have a great um, a great topic that we're covering today, and I'll be talking about that in just a minute. But before we get started, um, I want you to consider going and checking out my simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Unhurried Homeschooler, and also my devotional called Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. You can find both of those on Amazon. Um, I think they could be a real blessing to you. So you guys know that I have always been honest with all of you, very transparent and straightforward. And I have to say, I have been experiencing some serious burnout right now. My body is transitioning into menopause. And can I just say that is not a smooth transition. And there are times when it really affects my energy levels. So that being said, after praying and talking to my husband and getting some wise counsel, I am actually going to take a sabbatical from recording new podcasts. Um, It's not an easy thing to do because a podcast has been growing like crazy, which means God is using it to bring a lot of encouragement to moms. And I absolutely love that. However, this is his podcast. And my first priority is to walk in obedience to him, whatever the cost. So I hope that you all will still continue to listen to any of the podcasts that you haven't had a chance to listen to yet. I'll be sharing a countdown of the top 10 podcasts through April, May, and part of June. So I'll be taking basically 10 weeks off of making new podcasts, but I'll bring up the the best of the best for you in case you haven't listened to those. And then in June, I will resume recording again. I am speaking at conferences every single weekend in May, plus two this summer and one at the end of this month. So I'm going to leave a link to the places that I'm going to be. I'll leave it in the podcast notes and hopefully, hopefully I'll get to meet you. So let's move on to our topic today. Um, I titled this Shielding Innocence, Empowering Parents to Protect Their Kids from Sexual Abuse. Now this topic can be a really difficult one to discuss for a lot of times different reasons. Um, If you've experienced sexual abuse, you likely have very strong, deep feelings about this, and it can be very emotional. If you've never experienced this, you may feel awkward approaching this conversation with your kids and wonder, how do I protect my kids? Because we all know that the world has changed since we were children and the danger is much more, seems much more prevalent. And there can also be a lot of fear surrounding this topic, and that is why we want to hit this head on. The enemy uses fear to get a foothold, and we are not going to let him do that. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And today, I have a special guest who is going to help us do exactly that. Now, I had... um, just vaguely in passing, remembered hearing people mention Kelly Winkler to me and the uh, Shielding Innocence. 
and just how much they appreciated it. And I kind of looked there quickly and then, you know, we get distracted and we'll uh, fast forward. And I was at a conference in January uh, speaking and Kelly and her husband were keynote speakers at this conference. And I just caught the tail end of their talk. And it was really, really good. And I don't even think it was necessarily on this topic, but I could hear their hearts and um, and just their passion for the Lord and their passion for um, equipping parents um, in lots of different ways. But for the past 17 years, Kelly's been working as a licensed mental health counselor in Orlando, Florida, and specializes in working with women who have been sexually abused. Kelly works at Reformed Theological Seminary as a supervisor to a master's degree in counseling students. She is one of the co-founders of Shielding Innocence, a live and online workshop that empowers parents to prevent sexual abuse through education. Her husband, Mike, is also a therapist in Orlando, and together they regularly speak on healthy sexuality and marriage. They have three children, Alicia, who's 12, Ewan, how do you say his name? Ewan? Ewan, like Ewan McGregor. Okay. Ewan, Ewan, who is 10, and Mia, who is 7. So mm-hmm. welcome, Kelly. I'm so uh, thankful that you were willing to spend time with us today. Oh, I am glad to be here. We are going to talk about something that's going to be so helpful to your listeners, and I couldn't be more excited to be a part of it. Oh, I'm so glad. Now tell me, maybe you could give me just a little background of kind of how you landed in this spot of um, being so passionate about about helping women who've experienced sexual abuse. And can you give us a little background? Absolutely. I um, I think I really just started over at Reform Theological Seminary because I wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. And so I signed up to be a counselor and really found myself really thinking this is something that I could really give my life to. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know is that Jesus was alongside me saying, oh, I have so much more for mm-hmm. you while you do that. And so side by side, while I got my degree, I began to face some of the sexual harms and sexual abuse that I'd faced that had not named mm-hmm. and had not known to call it that. And because I grew up in a Christian home with very loving parents, um, that I, I fell in love with Jesus at a young age. My dad acted out Bible studies at night in hmm. front of me. He um, he pretended he was the snake in the Garden of Eden. Um, <laughs> I mean, I hugged and kissed Jesus goodnight when I before I fell asleep. My like I grew up just in a home that just worshipped at the feet of the Lord. Um, and yet, because sexual abuse was more talked about as stranger danger. Mm-hmm. That left my parents really unaware that there that there may be because we have a really open home and really welcoming people in, and um, that left me open to some some different people um, touching mm-hmm. me in ways that I want to you know call call sexual abuse and sexual harm, and as I discovered that and you know, really became free of thinking that I was just kind of a bad girl that made bad choices. I really began to say, you know, that was sin that was against me, not sin that I committed. And then a healing took place in my own heart. And then, of course, as God healed me, I actually became better at walking alongside other women. And my, my passion for seeing resurrection in the hearts of women grew as it because I was experiencing it. And then you can imagine 
that as I became a mother, it really became of the utmost importance to me, not just to help women heal from it, not just to walk out my own journey, but then what do I do with what I know as a mom that I might take that and put it on the front end to kind of look at what does protection look like for my children? That doesn't mean I'm living in fear, I'm scared of everybody and everything, but that I give them um, tools and give myself tools to really navigate the world with wisdom. And so that's the journey that I've been on for these past 17 years. And I am here to testify to God's goodness um, in my life and what he's done and then how he's taken what Satan intended for harm and transformed it into a calling that blends together my love for my children, my love, love, love for my children and this calling in counseling, and he he brought them together in shielding innocence, and 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 I just I want to almost say just hallelujah for mm. how how the Lord does that in our lives, ways that we can't um, we would never imagine left to ourselves, right? What he right meant. right exactly, and you know that whole um, that just that whole topic of sexual abuse. It's so I I find it interesting that you know it seems like every person who has experienced it blames themselves Mm -hmm. for it. And I, I I just find that fascinating. And we, we hear that all the time, especially as children, I think they don't have the ability to process it properly. And, and that's why they're, you know, in some ways so vulnerable um, because they don't have the ability to do that. And I, and I find it interesting because I think there are so many people who have experienced this and and who now are parents and how how do you feel like a parent's own experience impacts the way that they approach this topic with their kids well like anything we can overcorrect or undercorrect from mm-hmm. our own personal experiences so overcorrect may be may look like not knowing how to let your children go out and play being fearful of letting someone else take care of them. I mean, so there's just kind of a um, kind of keep them inside at kind of all costs, you know, right. kind of approach. So, so they don't get sexually abused, but then they're really afraid of the world. Right. right? Um, right. And so the undercorrection would be like, I'm going to put that away. I don't want to think about that. That was in my past. It happened to me back then. And I'm just going to put it in a box because I don't want to feel or think about it. And, mm-hmm. and then I'm just going to kind of go forward, trusting that, you know, the Lord will take care of me. And so you just kind of, what I think of that as, is you actually take something that's probably your wisdom. And because it includes um, sadness and hurt and sorrow, which is difficult, but it's a part of wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. And because you lock that away, you lock away some of your wisdom and discernment unintentionally. And that would really be beneficial to you in parenting. But we do that because we can't figure out quite what else to do. Right. So those options become the two that, you know, become kind of the easiest to to work towards. Right. And I think as parents, we feel like we need to uh, we need to parent. We need to be there fully for our kids. And so we don't have time to peel back the layers or unpack that box. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is, you know, we can do those things at the same time. I, I feel mm-hmm. like like you were saying, as you went through college and walked through um, dealing with your own things that Jesus walked alongside of you. And I always just tell parents all the time, you know, this whole journey of parenting and this journey of homeschooling is really about letting Jesus disciple you 
while yeah. you disciple your children. And it ends up being a beautiful sort of mm-hmm. harmony that mm-hmm. God God can actually do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, yeah. so amazing. So mm-hmm. amazing. So we don't have to be afraid of this. And we don't have to make our children afraid. We don't want to send our kids out. We want to send them out with discernment and wisdom, mm-hmm. not with fear. They're not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I think that's one thing I love about like you and within your podcast is there is just a real deep hope that God is a, a God who can handle um, and distributes his power to us and his joy in the middle of things being difficult, not despite it, but actually right. within it. And I love that you talk about that, like mm. that we don't have to run from that. There's actually joy in the mess if we won't mm. be ashamed of the mess. Exactly. So I, I feel like we're still on the same page and we see how we see the Lord in that sense. Yeah. And, and there's so much freedom in that and victory. And mm-hmm. it's we're not we're not victims. I guess that's one thing that I just really want moms to understand. You're not a victim of motherhood. Mm-hmm. You're not a victim of homeschooling, because I think sometimes we, you know, we take on this responsibility. Yes, it's a big responsibility. Of course it is. But but God is bigger. He's bigger mm-hmm. than all of it. And he can just take all of these things and weave them together. And like, I think about a tapestry and how if you turn a tapestry over and you look at the threads, it looks ugly. You look at it and you think, how in the world could this even be a beautiful piece of work? And then you turn it over Mm -hmm. and it's gorgeous and it's intricate. And that's what God's doing in our lives in the middle of the mess. Mm -hmm. He is creating something beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a, and it's a, um, it's a journey of faith because one of my mentors said, Kelly, what other project do you, are you faithfully tend to? And 26 years later or whatever, you find out how it ends up, mm. you know, this beautiful calling. So Jesus really better be in a lot of other things right? in the journey than in the final year. <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> and he wants to be. I think that's the thing. We, we, we so often think we have to clean up before we can go to him, clean up. But, in the, but he loves, he loves, he thrives on being in our mess and bringing order to the chaos and peace in the midst of what nobody else, else could bring peace. You know, Jesus said that, you know, I'm leaving you a gift. He said, I'm leaving you a gift a peace of mind and heart. Yeah. That is a gift. And if that's a gift, then we don't have to earn it, mm-hmm. but we do have to receive it and open it and put mm-hmm. it into, you know, actually have it, just receive mm-hmm. it from him, you know? So, um, so share with us some uh, principles or keys maybe that, that can help keep parents from overreacting or underreacting when uh, kind of trying to deal with this topic, both in their own hearts and with their kids. Yes. Um, well, I think in order to do that, if I could take just a minute and kind of lay out in front of your listeners kind of the steps that sexual, a sexual predator goes through, because I think in, in just laying that out really quickly, mm-hmm. then, then why, why I would say this would be a good reaction would make more sense than if you okay. don't have. So the kind of the way I think about it is if... Um, I my I am the daughter of a basketball coach. And so I have been in a basketball gym since three days old. And so uh, one of the one of the things that really has formed me is watching my father go to basketball games of teams he's going to play. And he would take out his big yellow notebook 
and he would scribble on it and I would eat the candy he bought me at the gas station on the way there um, <laughs> in a little towns in Iowa and the freezing cold. And one day I just said, daddy, I don't, what are you writing? And he said, well, if I study their offense, then I'll know what defense to put in. Mm. And so we're going to just talk about the perpetrator's offense only for the purpose that we might then be very thoughtful and intentional about the defense we would put in place. Mm. So really quickly, and I go into this in a, a more detail so that you can really understand in the online course, but this will give you a snapshot that could be really helpful. So step one, the perpetrator wants to connect to a child in an emotional way. So, a uh, perpetrator, like just like you kind of are studying if your child's an introvert or an extrovert, mm-hmm. or if your child is outgoing or more shy, those and, and the needs that come up because a child is shy or because a child feels left out or because of a child is outgoing, like they're studying that and then they're going to meet that need um, if it's unmet or if it's inconsistently met. So they then, you know, they then study the child and kind of kind of meet a child in a place the child is hungry, um, naturally hungry, not even because a parent is necessarily failing, but there just happens to be mm-hmm. as the child's temperament and personality and the busyness of the house or or maybe there is kind of a um, something going on that that child is being overlooked for some reason. But that is kind of the so what I want us to hear is that it starts out in the realm of relationship. Mm. And that, that makes sense. Yes. Which and, shows you how powerful relationship really is. Yes. And why it says that Satan comes as an angel of light. Mm. Because a perpetrator is using the thing that God made your child for. Your child isn't wrong. I wasn't wrong for having needs mm-hmm. or wanting connection. That's, the, that's the, the wickedness of using something God intended for good. Mm-hmm. Right, Satan getting a hold of it for destruction. And so after that first step, the second step is non-sexual touch. It's um, high fives, um, hugs, wrestling. Um, again, it can just be touch that feels good to children that children want. And I know that we all have, like I've got at least two snugglers and one hand holder. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. one of them just would lay on you all day long if he could. Then between he and wrestling me, he's 10 and it hurts more now because it's larger. It's like having a large dog. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, again, something that children are made for, right? That um, someone is using for ill intentions. So, then when you get to step three, there's what we call testing, making some kind of move that's in the the inappropriate range. Um, A good example of this was when I was. Um, in sixth grade, my basketball coach asked me if I wanted to drive. I was in sixth grade, and he wanted if I wanted to practice driving his van. So I said sure because he's my coach. And then he said I had to sit on his lap to do it, non-sexual touch, right? Too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm now, every parent listening to this is like, there is no grown man that should be asking you to sit on his lap ever, right? But that's because we're adults. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. I'm twelve. Right. Right. I'm like he's my coach. Step one. Step two. Right my coach testing came when he said hey to drive any further you have to give me a kiss on the lips that's that's that testing Mm -hmm. what would I do and at that Mm -hmm. moment I was like no and I bolted um and ran and ran out of the van but you can see he was just seeing 
if if he could do that. Right. Right. If I would, if I wouldn't be silenced, if I froze, if I didn't know what to do, if I wasn't sure, he would have moved in then to step four, which would be some kind of sexual touch. Now that could be actually touching body parts. That might also be something like showing pornography, something visual, but it's for the perpetrator's own sexual stimulation. So you can Mm -hmm. see there it's kind of in that in between where it would be hard for a child to know what was happening exactly. Right. And this is the one that you already hit on. Step five is silencing. It's it's somehow saying or doing something that tells the child they can't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Whether that's something like, um, we won't be able to play, I won't be able to hang out with you anymore if you tell anybody about our special game. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, because you did this, I had to do this. And so I'll tell them you did this and I did this. Or... Um, I won't come back and pick you up anymore and take you out for, I won't treat you special anymore, or you touched me, you liked it. And so you can see that last step mm-hmm. and all the steps in between makes it very confusing for a child because a child doesn't understand what's happening. The, the, um, the, the abuser is so much older, smarter, um, knows what's going on. So a child is trying to navigate a lot of manipulation. And that's why right. they usually end up with what you said. is a sense of that they're the dirty ones or they're the mm-hmm. icky ones. That's very, very common um, kind of conclusion. And it's intentional uh, on the part of the abuser. Does that, because that, as I say that, does that kind of lay out and make sense to you? That makes perfect sense. I, I love the simplicity of that too. And you can see the progression with each mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um and then the finality of number five, which yeah. is, is, is just, put, it makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, just hearing that because, you know, scripture talks about if we cause any of these children to stumble, mm-hmm. we should have, you know, basically something put around our neck and yes. with a millstone and thrown into the bottom of the sea. That's how much God hates mm-hmm. the act of, of harming children. And um, there's a high, there's going to be a high, high, high price to pay. But in the meantime, as parents, mm-hmm. this is so important for us to know. So important. And I, I, I should say, you know, what, just so they know when they're in the, hearing things in the media, the term the media uses for this is grooming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. The um, Christian author Dan Allender took grooming and broke it down into these very simple steps. And he wrote a book called The Wounded Heart that helps someone who has been abused. So I'm working in the area of prevention, where he's working in the area of healing. So he would take a victim through healing process. And I'm taking those same steps and going, okay, let's look at them to help us prevent. Exactly. Well, I will leave a link to that book in the podcast notes for our listeners in case they're interested in in purchasing that, The Wounded Heart, and checking that out. Okay, so we were talking about um, keeping from overreacting or underreacting. Mm-hmm. That That's was the, that was the question we were on. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay, so you can see that because the perpetrator enters in the relational and um, non-sexual touch realm, that what we're then looking for as parents is ways that we can notice our child's emotional and spiritual needs. And as we notice them more, right, then we'll be kind of securing their hearts 
so that our children are just less likely to be chosen mm-hmm. because they don't have, um, to a large degree, unmet needs right. that a perpetrator would choose. So this works really, really, this is one of the strengths I was going to mention to you about the homeschooling community because I homeschooled for a year and a half, so I have some flavor of what mm-hmm. it's like. And you just really get to know your child, um, mm-hmm. how they learn, um, how they feel about learning, what they're thinking when they need to pull away. You're already studying them. And to your point yes. that you speak on is that you need to be a mother first, right, or a parent first and a teacher mm-hmm. second. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. This fits in well, right? That knowledge that you use for their education is the same thing you're using to kind of go, okay, where are their needs? Where do they need a little bit more attention? You know, what what do they have difficulty with? What are they needing from dad? What are they needing from me? Kind of what's their temperament? And so right. you're, you're looking at that and kind of surveying, as we all do. That's why I love what is unique about Shield and Innocence is that it, it's good for parenting, right? Yes. This isn't stuff exactly. you wouldn't want to do anyways. <laughs> right, right. It's encouragement, really, an affirmation to continue really focusing on the relationship. And um, I think what I, I don't want moms to hear, and I don't think you're saying this, but I'm, I'm, I, I always try to listen with an ear of a mom who's listening and, and think about what might be going through her head as she's listening. I don't want you to, moms to be fearful always on, on edge all the time that you're not doing enough relationally with your kids and and you might somehow be missing something because moms are especially homeschooling moms are incredibly diligent and Mm -hmm. um but to the point where they get themselves really kind of in a wad sometimes and (laughs) and and need to understand there's um just i i I would want to say and i probably would say this at the end typically but i'm going to throw it in here right now but that is that that prayer for discernment to know what you need to do and what kind of an ongoing prayer. Lord, my child has needs today that um, I need to see. Would you open my eyes to that? Just, you know, just sort of like a, a covering for the day that, you know, you're, it also, I know as we pray, it, it helps us to remain aware, um, to yes. continue to be students of our children. Um, and right. I tell parents that all the time, not just when it comes to homeschooling, because homeschooling and, and parenting and the relationship, they, they're all like intertwined. Yes. And being a student of your child is more than just understanding how they learn and that, and that's important. But also, like you were saying, who they are, what are their emotional needs, what are their love languages, mm-hmm. you know, um, things like that. And just recognizing when they're acting out that there might be a need that's not being met. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes they're just being little stinkers. And I get that. But um, but I, it's fair to ask the question first, mm-hmm. is there something missing relationally? Are they needing time with me or whatever? And that's what I love about that idea of tomato steak is when when you've got a child who's like showing problems just consistently Mm -hmm. seeming to have issues pulling them alongside of you and and taking them everywhere you go throughout the day as you're folding laundry and you're doing dishes and you're doing this that and the other thing they're staying by your side and and it's amazing how time and just that they don't even realize it but that safety of being with mom even though they might fight you on it at first eventually a lot of times lends itself to a conversation about deeper things that are really bothering them that would have never happened mm-hmm. had we not taken that time to just 
have them be with us. And, and isn't it the same thing with our relationship with God, you know, when we're struggling and wrestling to just be in his presence mm-hmm. is comforting and, and he's there to just love us. And, and then eventually he brings those things come to the surface and he's able to help us walk through it. It's the same thing with our kids. And so I just want moms to hear that, you know, it's, it's no different than what you've already been thinking mm-hmm. um, as far as relationships being important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just this is more like affirmation, continue to pursue the relationship. Yes. And, and what you're really talking about, at least what psychologists have looked at, is the word they use as attachment, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. attachment is consistent connection in a trustworthy way over time. Mm-hmm. So that's more like exercising, you know, right. if, you, if you miss out on exercising sometimes, it's not a big deal. Right. right? It's the consistency. And I think that's what you're describing as you yes. paint this picture. It's yes, it's time. Mm-hmm. exactly. And, and it's the attachment is the rule, not the exception. Yes. And it, and it takes it's it's an ongoing process of responding over time. You know, exactly. and what's really cool about the attachment research is that you actually don't have to have had a successful, trustworthy home that you came from in order to make that attachment as a parent. Um, Mm. What you need, the research has showed us, is a heart that values connection, Mm -hmm. um, a heart that's willing to look at your weaknesses and your strengths with an an open lens, Mm -hmm. and you're able to look at your past, where you came from, with also an open heart. what that does for us as believers is it tells us like, oh, so as I let Jesus in and he cultivates my heart and has me look at my sin or my harm and as he works that out in me, that then facilitates a really positive and, and strongly connection between me and my child. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to us. Oh, yeah, you don't have to have it all together. He will That's right. That. And then that will generationally flow from one generation to the next. You're like, the research just, it's like, oh, that's what the Bible says. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's so great. I love that. So, um, so to your question. <laughs> yes, talking about the, the keeping from overreacting or underacting, you're, you're talking about relationship, being aware. Yes. Okay. And then the second part, which I, um, to that, is that what we want to do is discover then if there are certain blind spots, it's what we refer to it at in the Shield of Innocence conferences, that might be causing you to overreact and underreact. And in this content, what we'll talk about is within your own story or within your own current life, is there areas where the topic of sexuality um, makes you uncomfortable? Um, makes you freeze up, makes it harder for you to discuss. You tend mm-hmm. to kind of want to sidestep it. Mm-hmm. And as you ask the Lord, is there something around this topic that might make me want to put it away or might make me want to overtend to my children in a very kind of um, frightening, frightened, maybe like hypervigilant way? Mm-hmm. Is there is there something that I have that you want me to look at? Because the thing we know about kids is they know what we're they can talk to us about and when they can't talk to us about whether we say anything or not. Mm. Right. Like 
I can be in the grocery store and literally still hear my mom tell me something while I'm in the grocery store because (laughs) her her face and her voice is so familiar. I carry it with me and I'm 43 years old and it's right, you know, and what, what you know is when your kids like, I'm going to ask dad this question because I'm going to get a yes. I'm not going to ask mom because I'm going to get a no Mm -hmm. It's because they know us. And so that is true in the area of sensitivity like this around topics of sexuality and body safety, children will know um, immediately, intuitively, right, in the right brain, right, that they'll know, oh, I'm going to stay away from this. This Mm -hmm. is uncomfortable. She might kind of be sharp about this. And so we want to look at anything the Lord might want to address that causes some blind spot and then therefore an overreaction and an underreaction Mm -hmm. in this area that we want to start to try and talk to our children about which is my number one principle I would love your listeners to take home is we want our children to be able to come to us and ask us honest questions, whatever question they have, and get an honest answer. Mm-hmm. That is especially true in the area of their bodies and in the area of their growing sexuality. Mm-hmm. And because if they can do that, then we get to, and this is principle number two, we get to plant God's narrative. Mm. We would rather plant God's narrative about their bodies and about sex and about who they are than we would want to uproot the world's narrative or Satan's lies. Mm -hmm. Looking in this area, we want to look at our blind spots so that we can give them to Jesus so that then we can approach our children kind of, and they can approach us. And if they can come to us, then they don't have to go to anybody else. And that's our goal. Right. Mm. I love that. I love that. So let's talk about how sexual abuse happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as we looked at those five stages, mm-hmm. okay, we begin to understand that a perpetrator is looking for um, a child with some level of unmet need. Um, right. I, I use the term deprivational need, meaning like the, the I had a, a neighbor come over one time and we didn't know her well, just met her a couple times. And she just asked if she could lay in my hammock with me. She was nine or 10. And that, that was an, a large need that she had for some mothering. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we, we talked and I told her about Jesus and we played some music and, and worshiped a bit together, but you could see a different situation mm-hmm. um, with someone with different intentions might take that hunger and misuse it against her. And so mm-hmm. that's initially how it happens. Mm-hmm. What we also want to be aware of, I'm a, um, all of us as parents, is that 23% of the time when sexual abuse occurs, it's a, it's a someone who is under the age of 18 mm-hmm. approaching a child. That means that we're looking at situations where children are um, abusing children but not because these children are so awful, but because a child probably saw something that they're, we'll use the word reenacting or playing mm-hmm. out with mm-hmm. the child. And so as we have um, homes that we're being open and, and caring and loving people in, we want to be aware that sometimes we might not know what's going on in another person's home in their house and that the child that you might come over might play out or show something to your child that you weren't prepared for Mm -hmm. or weren't expecting. Mm -hmm. And so 
the reason we want to be aware of that is because like sexual abuse does happen in relationship and that we do know that it can happen from one child to another. And that's something that we want to then kind of have a, some principles to look at in our home. How do we let children play together in a way that's very free and engaging? But it's also, um, I think of it like law and grace. We have grace, but we have some rules around where children can play, especially mm-hmm. children that I'd say we have, we know less and we know more. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have some children that, you know, less, I call them that that might be a, um, a front yard child, you know, a backyard child, child where I have my eyes on while they're playing. It could be a living room, but this, but this child that goes back in the bedroom and plays dolls, not this one. Cause I don't know her well. And so as I think of trust in this area for, for your listeners, I think we want to, we want trust to be earned, mm-hmm. not just given freely, mm-hmm. but we want it to be given. And so just learning to let your eyes be on those little ones, especially when we're in the, you know, little bitties all the way to the nines and tens. Right. So we're kind of looking at um, being able to keep a bit more of a close eye on hearing voices, being able to check on kids and keeping doors open. Yes. Kind of no closed mm-hmm. doors. And the closed door situation, like when the little brother's annoying and they want to close the door, um, which, you know, they often do. Um we just have to remember, is this a child that I, I could close the door and trust that whatever they're doing there is just finer? Do I, I really like her, but I just don't know her well. Mm-hmm. So they just have to kind of put up with it or they have to come out into the living room or I have to, you know, I have to like wrangle my two-year-old a little bit more than I'd want to. Because, right. Because of the, right, the level of knowledge and trust I have of a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that that makes sense. Like it's kind that of makes that. perfect sense. I I can picture all of this, and it's just that it, it's it's a it's a balance, and it's really that's really really good because you want to you know um, allow your kids to play with with different kids and not be you know closed doors um, to everyone else, but to be able to. Um, be aware, be aware. I, I was always, when we would go to other people's houses, kind of did the same thing, you know, both ways when we're at other people's houses and when they were at our house, just checking in regularly, even if I could kind of hear them going mm-hmm. and checking. They, the, My kids knew I was going to be walking in any mo- any given moment, um, it, listening from around the corner sometimes mm-hmm. if I didn't, if I just, you know, kind of want to get an earshot of what, what's going, what kind of conversations are happening in there. And you kind of get a feel for where things are going with their play. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is just, this is part of parenting and um, it's, it, this is perfect. I love the way you, you shared that it was um, doable. It's very doable. It's not fearful, but it's, it's, it is preventative, you know? Yes, exactly. And what I love about it is you can see implementing God's narrative. You know, mm-hmm. trust is a beautiful thing to have. Oh, right. as you, when you get to say, oh, that's your best friend. Oh yeah. You guys can go back there. That's mm-hmm. great. Like that's a beautiful thing to be able to say, right. you know, trust is built over time. And this is my, I've got a few families in my life that they can have my kid anytime, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I just love, because I want my kids to have relationships where there's just a ton of freedom. Yes, exactly, you know? exactly. And, 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 and build all, those out, yeah. Right, and each relationship is, um, you sort of have to gauge what level yeah. that relationship is at. But yes, it is a good thing. The idea is it's, it's you're working towards trust, not 
being paranoid. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That's totally what I mean is that it, um, you know, as we give more selves to God, we get more of God. Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't mean we don't get to have God. Right. It doesn't mean these other kids don't get to have a relationship with our kids. I definitely have all kinds of children at my house. Right. But it does mean is that as we get closer to God, we get more of him. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. when we enter his kingdom, and so building trust, it is, it's like as we have more of him, we get more of him. And I right. think that's a biblical principle that feels like we're not being mean or inhospitable. You know, we're being wise and discerning. Right. Exactly. And, and I love that word, that term, because I really think, yes, in this day and age where there's so much information, our job isn't to just gain information. That's impossible not to do at this point. Right. It's to discern, you know, the yes. that in the middle of it. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So tell us how shielding innocence, that approach mm-hmm. um, to sexual abuse prevention, why yeah. does, how does it do this and uh, approach it in such a unique way? And I think you kind of explained some of that, mm-hmm. but... Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So um, I don't know if you remember the Berenstein Bears book. Um, I think it was called like uh, Say No to Strangers or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I read that to my kids. Uh, Don't talk to strangers. I think that's what it was. And so we would call that in Sheila Innocence, right rules. You know, having um, you don't talk to strangers, you don't take candy from strangers, you know, your private parts unless it's a doctor, like right rules. Um, which we really believe in, but right rules without um, relationship won't won't help you really work in prevention. So mm. you can have all the rules in place, but if you're not really aware that relationship is the primary way that a perpetrator enters in, then you'll be looking for strangers, right? And mm-hmm. and that will be good. But then, but that's not 90% of abuse happens from people that the family knows or Mm -hmm. um, a member of the family. And Mm -hmm. so the unique approach is combining um, our children can ask us for anything and get an honest answer. And so we're looking at any way that that may not be happening in our relationship with our kids. But we're also looking at putting in God's narrative whenever we can. And Mm so let me give you a kind of an example of uh, kind of how this looks in daily life. So. I was grocery shopping with my daughter, Alicia. She must have been seven. And I'm pushing the cart. And um, there's another woman coming down the aisle. And she is wearing a top that is very low in the front. And my little one said, Mommy, um, why does she have her boobies hanging out? You know, I'm in public shopping. Right. not what I'm expecting. (laughs) have any kind of conversation <laughs> about right to your point right it's when right. conversations happen and there it is and and I said she goes how come and I said oh sweetheart sometimes women think that maybe if they show a little bit more of like that private part um that other people will notice them more and then that will make them feel more beautiful and what what we want to do is be lovely on the outside. So we just want to be lovely and elegant in our dress and to take care of ourselves, we don't, you know, in any way that we feel like God has made us in our style. But mm-hmm. we also really want to have really lovely hearts so that um, people are, are close to us and we're around them because of, because of what's on the inside and that our outside can be really pretty too. And then she said to me, 
does daddy like that? Meaning, does daddy like it when women dress like that? Mm. And I said, oh, sweetheart, no, daddy loves it when a woman is elegant and she takes good care of her heart when she shares her heart. And of course he dresses when a woman dresses in a way that's elegant and lovely, but doesn't have to show off some of her more private parts in order to get attention. And, you know, that's one of those conversations where I felt really free to I know where my husband's heart is. In mm-hmm. this and I could say that and really mean it. And sometimes mm-hmm. if your husband's struggling in this area, that could be a bumpy conversation, at least inside of yourself. Mm-hmm. And you want to be able to, I just, I planted that, you know, what a father loves about women, what men love about women, mm-hmm. I what God treasures about women. I, I didn't shut her down because I was too busy or hurried in public right. getting my stuff. And that's that part about in that moment, what I believe and what I've seen people do that have attended the conference is that that moment and moments like that send a clear message. I can ask my mom or dad anything. Mm-hmm. They won't be uncomfortable because I'm uncomfortable. I, Lisi, am uncomfortable as I ask this question. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. But mom can help me. And so you can see in that moment, just like we're all trying to facilitate. Then when something happens that makes her uncomfortable in another way, she runs to me. Mommy, mm-hmm. this boy, when I walk by him, he slapped me on my booty. Mm-hmm. Comes right to me. Okay, right. sweetheart. Well, let's take care of that. You know, so right building that relationship in those areas of sexuality and they're going to come up right mm-hmm. they're going to come up for all of us and for our children and we're building out a conversation around sexuality where we're planting god's narrative and telling our children ask me anything i want you to come to me and i want it to feel good to come to me right right so good so good so is there a way that homeschooling kids may have specific vulnerabilities and protections Okay, so I think the protection that homeschooling parents have is what I said is that there's already a deep um, connection around relationship and the parent-child relationship. The homeschooling community treasures relationship, reading your child and knowing them and um, being able to kind of see what's going on inside of them. And I think that that facilitates a kind of strength in kind of like, oh, I want them to be able to ask me anything. Um, Right. I want them to be able to do that in math. You know, I want to notice when I'm coming down a little too hard on them because I've had a bad day. Right. And I want to read that, apologize for that. Let us take a break, go outside. Right. So in the homeschooling community, you're already trying to read where your, your stuff for a lack of other, you know, is kind of impeding on the process, educational process. Exactly. And I think too, I just want to take a second here and just remind parents, you know, this is one of the reasons I'm constantly talking about having margin in your day, mm-hmm. constantly talking about not over scheduling, because if you are in a frenzy all the time, you will not have the time to do any of the things that we just talked about. Um, mm-hmm. When we're stressed out and mm-hmm. we're trying to get from one place to another, this mm-hmm. is not conducive to relationships with our kids. And I can tell you from 24 years down the road, it's the relationships and the attachment to mm-hmm. our children that that has made more of a difference than any curriculum we ever did, mm-hmm. than anything our kids ever learned. And and I, I can guarantee it. We have, my husband and I have a good relationship with all eight 
of our children. And not a lot of people can say that when most of their kids are adults because different things come up and hurts happen. And mm-hmm. um, But we do. We have a good relationship with each and every one of them. And that came from being willing mm-hmm. to lay down our own agenda a lot of times and just say, you know what? We just need to be with these kids and we need to stop and have this conversation or whatever. So I just wanted to throw that in. I love that because that margin that you're talking about Mm -hmm. can stop what I would call a shame cycle. Like Mm -hmm. I don't have margin. So I snapped at him or her or I haven't really been there. Now I feel horrible, right, that I've been a bad mom. Right. And so you kind of get into the cycle and that margin lets you kind of step away and go, oh, I have some room here to take care of myself for a moment. Yes. I have room here to take a breath. And that, mm-hmm. home, within homeschooling, you can see that then facilitates that margin, that breath, that reading your child helps you go, okay, in the area of their sexual development and in the conference we go into this, um, what they're going through at different levels from zero to 13, kind of what, what kind of conversations that they'll be having with you, what kind of boundaries you want to put in and how you can implement it. Mm-hmm. But um, the homeschooling community has a real sense of reading your child already mm-hmm. uh, and getting the story and listening well. Um, and so to, to put that in the emotional and of course already spiritual realm, you're, you're right in there with what is very preventative. So that's the strength. And I want to really say, I really, really believe that that's a strength of the mm-hmm. homeschool community. I think that the, the weakness that I would just put in front of your listeners should just consider is that sometimes in the homeschooling community, I found that because you've, kind of picked such um, a good co-op to be a part of so many like-minded people that there may be an assumption that what's going on in their home is what's going on in your home. And what that means is sometimes giving that kind of open door policy when we're talking about earning trust, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there may be kind of an immediate like, oh, we're all homeschooling moms, like kind of run around without me kind of knowing, maybe keeping as close to eye as I would maybe a family that didn't come from a homeschooling situation. And so it's that that I would say, because you can never know um, what, what might happen in any home, even, Mm -hmm. even the best homes, what a child might've came across on the computer, what might be happening. I've had a number of people. I mean, I myself, right. Faced harm in a Christian home because unintentionally, right. Right. There was trust given to those who didn't deserve that much trust and not mm-hmm. because my parents didn't want to protect me. Right. Right. So that's we just want to look at be thoughtful about um, when you're in a co-op, just still going like I still want to kind of work on getting to know them, getting mm-hmm. to know your kid, kind of being watchful, not paranoid. Right. But right. just wise. I think that's probably the, the biggest thing I see when I hear stories of when sexual abuse has happened within a homeschooling community. It's probably just there's a safety that you feel within right. the homeschooling world. And, and that may, because what we know statistically is that there's no less sexual abuse happening within the Christian community than there is in the non-Christian community. Wow. It's wow. one in four girls and one to four girls before the age of 18 and one in five boys. And we know that if we don't start talking about it, I think that that number should go down because we have the gospel. I agree. To be able I to agree. talk about this stuff. Yep. Yep. But and I th- give our trust away, but we can like, you know, like I said, lovingly open ourselves up to gaining trust with people. So that's what I would say. In terms that's, of- 
Great. That is one that that's perfect. I wholeheartedly agree with all of that. So how does this, um, this approach, the shielding innocence approach, um, bring protection as well as connecting the child back to Jesus and his way of life? Okay. So this is one of my favorite questions because there's so many fun situations where you get to connect your child back to Jesus. So for instance, uh, this is a few years ago. We were watching the fi- finale of American Idol. This is when J-Lo was on mm-hmm. it. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was a long wow. time ago. <laughs> right. So I'm sitting next to my, I think then she would have been nine-year-old. And so I think, I'm kind of in my head thinking, I'm going to have to address with my oldest daughter whatever J-Lo is going to come out dressed in. Right, you know, right, right. I'm going to have to have that talk. So I'm kind of prepping myself for that conversation. Which would, you know, and in that conversation, there's God's narrative. What does God value about the body? What does God value about women? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's an, I have, you know, ample space to, to, to address God's love for, for women and their bodies and how he made us. And so I'm, I'm good, right? I'm ready. I'm prepared for my, to implement the narrative of Jesus right now. Well, JLo comes out. And this is so timely since she was just in the Super Bowl. But even back then, she came out and somehow, Though she was scantily dressed to begin with, by the end of it, she was literally in, I don't even know if you could call it an outfit, Mm. but she shook her bottom into the camera and my six-year-old boy burst into tears. And he ran into the bedroom and just started to cry. And that really surprised me. And I went in there and I was trying to kind of find out what happened and my husband actually, I called him on the phone and said, can you help me? I think I could figure this out, but you might have a shortcut because you're a man and I just need some help here. And so as my husband and I kind of talked with him, what he said was, Jayla was my favorite judge. And mm. when she shook her booty, I couldn't not look at it. Mm. I didn't have a choice. And why would she do that? You know, and so right then there's a real chance to just connect with his heart and say, oh, Abe, you're right. You didn't get the choice to choose to look or not, you know, and that hurts your heart. And God does not want your heart hurt like that. Doesn't want a woman to make you look at her when, when it's not something that you want to do. I'm so sorry. Right. And then there's the second to go. Can we talk about what Jesus does want you when he, he wants you to, what JLo did was like, um, give you a shock. But God wants to give us good surprises, right? Mm-hmm. What kind of surprises do we like? What kind of surprises make us feel safe? You know, and so you can just see in that conversation, I'm right in planting the narrative of Jesus about bodies, about for a boy, right? That the choice to look, you know, is, is, is mm-hmm. he's going to grow into one that's going to notice bodies more and more. Right, and right. Those kinds of conversations we are having all the time. I could go into another one with my daughter recently. Some little girl was saying that she couldn't play with anybody else's. You know, she could only play with her and nobody else. And I was able to say, oh, actually, Jesus says no a lot. You know, Jesus says to people, no, you can't talk to this um, woman that came in here to wash my feet like that. Right. Stop it. No, you can't behave in any way you want, you know, to the Pharisees. Like Jesus actually is one that says no to people pushing and pulling and telling him how to give his message. 
Mm-hmm. So you can say no. So you can see then I'm building out with the help of Jesus. Um, I want my daughter to always feel like she can say no. And within days later, she said, Mommy, what if a man wanted to marry me or kept asking me and asking me to marry him and I didn't want to? I said, well, what did we learn? What can what do we know that you can always say? What can a girl always say? No, that's right. You always get to say no. Mm-hmm. So you can see these aren't scary conversations. They're beautiful. Right, right. right. Now, was that, was that J-Lo thing a total surprise that, that she did that? Were you not oh, expecting yeah. that when you were watching it? Or mm-hmm. how did that all play out? Mm-mm, I was not expecting that. And that's one of the concepts I go into the seminar is that there's sexual abuse, but there's things I want to call sexual harm. And sexual harm is anything yeah. that moves against your child's sexuality that is against against God's intent. Mm. So, And there's going to be two other ones. There's going to be um, the kind that are a surprise. Right. right? And then there's going to be relational sexual harms, like a friend saying something to your daughter, them Mm -hmm. getting a mean text, you know, that like there's going to be harm that happens, but there's going to be commercials, TV shows, uh, walking down the mall. Right. Like, (laughs) right. (laughs) So we want to be able to have those kind of conversations with our children when they surprise us like that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, when there's a a Hooters ad that lands on your front porch and your son picks it up, you know? (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I love that because it makes you not afraid all the time of what's going to come at you. You have a plan. You have, you're working a different narrative than what you're changing the narrative because the person who's surprising you or whatever with these specific things that gets turned on its head and what Satan means for evil, God gets to use for good. So if we can recognize and pray, ask for wisdom for God to show us throughout the day, if we get broadsided by something or surprised by something that God would show us how he would want to take what Satan means for evil and use it for good. And if we have that that thinking going into it, I really think it helps shed light on on how to talk about it. Um, I love that you're bringing up prayer because I really have found in my life as a mom that, um, in fact, I was just in, I think it's Psalm 16 that mm-hmm. says um, that Jesus secures our flesh. Mm. It says that God secures our flesh and that he speaks to us at night. And it made yes. me think as a mom, like, so often I get anxious and worried. My heart's palpitating. I'm nervous. I'm making mistakes. And I'm like, he secures my flesh, my very body. Mm-hmm. He secures. Mm, I love that. I love that. Yes. Yes. So, so good. Important. Yeah, it's important. It is. And so, okay, so moms, this is a really cool thing. If you are interested in um, Shielding Innocence, it, it's it's online, right? Mm-hmm. It's online, yeah. It's online, and it's, it's usually $50, mm-hmm. but she's giving us a coupon code. Um, that's only gonna um, it's only gonna cost you twenty dollars if you're interested in taking the online course. And so I'm gonna include uh, the coupon code um, in the podcast notes. Um, it's Dorenda all capital letters twenty the number twenty all kind of like one word. Um, but again, I'll leave it in the podcast notes for you. Thank you, Kelly, for being here today and for giving us this gift of just the conversation and then and then just being able to go further into this if we want to pursue um the the online workshop oh you're welcome thank Mm -hmm. you so much i'm so Mm -hmm. excited to um, yes to be a part of what god's doing in in what you're doing so thank Mm -hmm. you 
Oh, well, let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much. First of all, thank you for Kelly. Thank you for her heart, for the gift that you have given her, for the calling on her life, Lord, and the way that you're using her. God, thank you for the time that we could spend today um, talking about this really important topic, Lord. And I pray that every mom that's listening would walk away feeling nothing but hope today and feeling victorious and knowing what a good God you are and how much you care and um, how much you want her to work with you on walking out how to best protect our kids, Lord. We just thank you for your goodness to us. Um, We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.